0: You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue.
1: New chapter this morning
0: in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Something good
1: for you. Alright everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. I am one of your two co-hosts Alex Stiff and sitting beside me once again, not the mandatory six feet away, <laughs> Oops. is Captain Nunn. What's up y'all? And- the Cap. The cap, hey. the one and only Captain <laughs> Nunn, as Dave Weimer, the Reverend Shack, would say. That was a fun
2: episode, too. Yes, I listened to that today.
1: And continuing on with our <laughs> Skype series, we are very happy and very proud to introduce a very loving, dear friend of ours, Andrew Evans of Like Machines. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. What's we finally up, made Elements? this happen. What are they
2: like? Like machines,
1: <laughs> I was... or they
3: Don't like machines. <laughs> or they don't like machines.
1: <laughs> I'm they...
2: anti robot, sir.
1: <laughs> I just yeah. find it funny that it took a. Um... An epidemic, a pandemic, a viral outbreak for this to happen because we had plans to do it once already but, <laughs> we, came, but we came down to town, uh, got some good food and lost track of time and just didn't do one. <laughs>
2: we tried to do that with two people that weekend and both times we're just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, we were enjoying
1: hanging out with friends too much but, but especially yeah. with the pandemic and everything um, figured this was a good time for you to hop on and not only chat with us because everyone's kind of starved for a little attention, but uh, Like Machines is actually kind of stepping out the front lines and kind of trying to do something about this shit. So, Andrew, I figured as a good opener, why don't you take it away and tell the good folks what you guys are doing.
3: So, Tanner and I just recorded a um, an acoustic version of Destitute. And Which is killer, by the way. You know, obviously. Thank you very much. Um, wait, what did you say? I said it's... Is it's, that what you said? I That's said sounds killer. Yeah. <laughs> he said <it's> killer. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: Fucking sucks.
3: It's <laughs> <laughs> the studio or anything, so we've just been doing it, you know, over FaceTime, back and forth in our rooms together. Yeah. And just sending files back. So, you know, we released that on um, yesterday, mm-hmm. and all the proceeds go to Music Cares, which... Um, is benefiting all musicians that are affected by
2: this
1: damn virus (laughs) this damn virus and by
2: musicians he means like just about all of them too at least every working musician at this point
1: that is one of the few that was one of the things i was thinking on is you know There's a lot of people, of course, doing the Facebook live streams, you know, and they've got their tip jars and such like that. But I was kind of wondering if there was going to be a groundswell of, you know, what can we do to, you know, help out these, you know, touring artists that, you know, were kind of relying on that shit, which I mean, hell, even Light Machines was caught in the crossfires on that with a canceled tour. Yep, everybody's getting
3: boned. (laughs) Um, No joke.
1: But, you know, I think
3: i don't like i said i don't know too much about it but i think you know any working musician can you know benefit from this
1: oh yeah and it's especially cool because you guys uh were kind of putting it together like you said through the uh skype calls
3: yeah yeah that was you know this change has brought you know new ways of going about things so yeah and that's just an interesting thing in itself it's like You know, even this right here, it's like I'd much rather be in the room with you guys. But it's like,
2: it's like everybody that's creative is kind of like, yeah, yeah,
3: they're trying to figure it out. They're just trying to figure it out, you know. So it's like, here we are, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth. But you don't get the full effect, but it's still cool, you know.
1: Yeah. You know. And even with this, it's like, you know, unfortunately, every so often we'll get lag. So it's, so it's like even this it's like as much as we want to have as it, like as an intimate conversation as possible. It's like we still have to overcome certain hurdles. Right. So it's it is definitely, you know, something to adapt to because, you know, our kind of show is very conversational. We we don't just pull on random people. We like to pull on people that we've talked to before that we've had a past connection with that way it can be just kind of a conversational kind of deal yeah. and trying to find yeah. a way to still make that personal connection through the you know computer has been a little bit challenging but you know so far with uh, our our former um network head uh on the last episode now with you it makes it a little bit easier so we're kind of we're kind of getting our feet into it
2: <laughs> trying out new things
3: <laughs> yeah i think everybody's starting to like you know get a hold of Okay, this is we kind of have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So you know,
2: kind of like kind of have no choice. Relatively quickly too, like a lot. Everybody's just starting a podcast. Everybody's trying to stay connected, and they found quicker, really quick and easy ways to do it in a relatively short amount of time since this this all happened.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Absolutely. Uh, Have you considered doing any sort of like Facebook lives or like uh, you jamming along to certain songs or doing bedroom sessions of? A light machine songs I, or maybe I, old stir songs <laughs> well
3: it's funny you say that because yesterday i woke up and i was
1: uh, i
3: you know just playing guitar, and i was like i'll just fucking go on instagram live can i say that yeah that oh before. yeah dude <laughs> jesus christ no okay. we
1: have fuck shit goddamn motherfuckers on this show so <laughs> okay
3: <laughs> so um
1: what was i saying woke up just Can't grabbed the guitar was like can i instagram live this? oh yeah
3: uh, instagram live and you know there were some people that hopped on and they were like Playing.
1: people want you know
3: to hear those other songs yeah other than that i haven't the the the
2: instagram facebook live stuff has not i don't know i just it gets get a little, little uncomfortable I've talked about this with a couple of other folks saying that it kind of gets, it's a little monotonous and people want to perform and share all their stuff, but you can only do so much with just like a camera on your couch and stuff like that. Like I've found like my favorite ones that I revisit throughout the weeks, like um, Eddie Spaghetti from the super suckers does a whole thing where he just sits down, tells a story behind the song and then plays a song on a clean uh, electric guitar tone. And I think those are a lot of, Right. kind of setup, those kind of setups are a lot better than full on band ones that I've seen the past couple of weeks. Right, for sure. There's like a theme just, to it, and there's it, a concept it, and everything too.
3: Right, and you know, there's nobody there, you know you're performing to your phone or your computer or whatever, and then you know people comment, and you know there is a connection sort of, but you know when you respond, it's you're just talking to your phone, so yeah. just,
2: there's a weird feeling you know what i mean it's just oh, it's totally just dude i've seen uh i think i've talked about, uh, about this with alex where i saw one band uh it's like a european band or something like that where they're uh saying something in a language i didn't understand but they're just like uh,
0: ah, yeah, yeah yeah facebook
2: <laughs> <laughs> like trying to get the internet audience riled up <laughs>
1: i'm like oh no, Hell, is yeah. this the
2: future i hate
1: it <laughs> Well, something that, uh, yeah. and something else Cap and I have kind of talked about, which is a, kind of an interesting concept, which is now that, you know, there's not really any touring bands and, you know, everyone's kind of sequestered to where they live, it's pretty interesting that everyone is kind of on the same playing field right now, because there's really only mm-hmm. one or two venues to quote unquote play, and that's Facebook right. and Instagram. So it's, so it's it's also kind of that juggle of how do you still stay quote unquote relevant when you can't go out and right. tour and you know meet new faces and you know meet all your new friends, you know.
3: And I will say that is kind of cool. I mean not kind of cool, it's really cool to see like, you know, artists you like in their living room or in their bedroom, you know, drinking a beer and you know, an acoustic guitar hanging
2: out, you know, yeah. and like a normal person.
3: Exactly. Instead like- of all the
2: production and the stage, it just brings it home, you know. Like so Brian May from Queen. So- uh, Brian May from Queen does uh, guitar things on Instagram now, so it's just it is kind of one of those weird things where it's like Brian May is just doing the exact same thing I'm doing for the next month, <laughs> you know. I, I didn't. I'll check that out. It's cool. He's just like showing you how to play like Queen solos and shit like that.
3: Oh, shit. Well, the key to the Queen solos is the tone, and nobody ever gets the tone
2: right. So because <laughs> it's his handmade yeah. guitar and everything. Uh, exactly. It's like you just it's it's. Almost impossible. It's all in the hands too. Yeah, you could say that with about everybody.
1: And man, right. speaking of tone, you you're really it's something that really doesn't get discussed because yes, I not only am I a friend, I am a fan, so I pay attention to the stuff the band does too because I genuinely enjoy it. Our and- listeners should sure
2: know that. Andrew Evans is one of the more killer guitar players that's out there right now.
1: Oh yeah, but one of the things that maybe doesn't really get brought up but us being guitar nerds talking to another guitar nerd, which is something that I've noticed even from uh your work in Future Babes, which is you have a distinct tone. When you hear you. when you when you hear your guitar tone, when you hear your amp tone, it says Andrew. And you're, you're kind of even crafting your acoustic tone now, too, from your two solo projects, or your two solo songs, rather. And then now the acoustic version of Destitute with uh, Light Machines. That's one thing I've really noticed. You have really crafted your signature sound, and I haven't really heard it deviate much, so kind of going back a little further, when did you finally decide, okay, this is the kind of sound I want to c- have coming out of my guitar?
3: Dude, it... You know, it's just one so, day it's so weird. You work on shit for literally like a decade, and then, literally one one day, you're like, "Oh wow, that's actually cool." Like none of that other shit was cool, and that actually, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like when you when you hear something that's that you did that uh, you feel it, and it's like, "Oh fuck, that's cool." it's Yeah. It's like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know? So.
1: No, I totally dig it because uh, I, there's, I, I've I've also kind of went for that, and I, and I still haven't completely found my sound yet. And this is and this why I was like, it's pretty impressed that you know already you've just kind of found that signature tone because you don't really sound like that many other guitarists. Because I hear influences, you know, everyone has their influences, but when you distill it down and you really listen, it's like I could hear that from a distance and go. Did Andrew fucking play on that? Cause that's his fucking tone, <laughs> you know.
3: <laughs> I think it's also because like I'm half stupid, so I don't really know. I don't know like I know like half as much as everybody else, so I can kind of like plug it all in and just like bloop. and then <laughs> you know it's like oh I can twist shit, and I'm like oh that's cool, and then it's just, it's like okay I, I won't touch it anymore. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, and it's like it's not like. An- well, it's like, even though you're kind of, you know, goofing on yourself saying, oh, I'm half stupid or whatnot, but it's like, the the cool part about that is, it's like, you're still half correct, though, because it's always the people that don't 100% know what they're doing that are just willing to experiment are the ones that wind up coming out right. with the really cool stuff. Is
2: right. that something that you just always chase anyway, like, that you're still chasing, like, to this day?
1: Oh, like, yeah, like.
2: Never satisfied.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, and there's just tones that I have that I haven't found like a song for. You know what I mean? And it's like, fuck, if I could just get this tone into a song that makes sense with the tone and everything. Whether it's like a Strat tone or a Tele
2: tone or like a Gibson tone and all that too.
3: Right. Like I just gotta exactly like I literally have been like I've been trying not to do the double coil stuff because i've always done double coil les paul just that's what i love yeah so now i'm doing telly and a baritone and i'm just
2: trying to write on those things that's cool yeah it's fun to play around with like it's like uh what did mike campbell say it's like uh colors of paint you know different uh, guitar sounds for sure i mean it's it's you do totally different Put a Ricky tone yeah. on this part for clean tones, and you find your dirty tones here and there with Gibsons or single coils or whatever you uh, your heart desires, whatever uh, the painting calls for. Dude, and I love like the classic telly,
3: just like one string, the Johnny Cash kind of like bend ball, where you ball, just ball. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: I love playing that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm sick. Oh, dude, I know. I love that. Put a little uh, tremolo effect on it. Make it sound really dirty.
3: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What kind of, like a pedal steel. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh,
1: what kind of process winds up going through? Uh, do you go through to kind of decide what would wind up being a solo project song or something that you kind of bring to like machines? And the only reason I wind up thinking on that is to even kind of bring it back again to the, uh, the single, which is that that version of Destitute feels like that would have fit perfectly as a third single to dealt with the devil and miss California. So it's like, but you were able to take something that sounded like that. And then all of a sudden make it a rock and like machine song. So what what kind of process does that go through where you decide this should be for the full band and nah, this is for me.
3: Well, the Destitute, was written as like full balls rock song first and okay. then tanner actually we were like you know we had to do like some kind of radio thing and they were like you know do a song and, and we were already like machines so we couldn't necessarily do night shift or we you know we wanted to do destitute so he started playing it and that kind of like
1: uh, okay you know,
3: that way and then um it was like oh shit that's cool that's the that's the acoustic version you know what i mean most of my stuff is just like you know kind of cowboy chords um Mm -hmm. you know and just kind of that country western or you know americana not as like badass like that the destitute acoustic thing has more like grit and like it's like you're Riding on a horse and you got
2: shot in your arm <laughs> <gun>. yep, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely caught like the spaghetti western vibe from uh Dusty. Right.
2: <laughs> what kind of stuff do you listen to that uh where all that comes out and you're playing?
3: Um, i I love Tyler Childers. Nice and, like Sister Wall, um Johnny Cash, of course, and I've just really been digging into like that Western or bluegrass and all the Americana kind of.
2: Uh, I think you told me about, uh, two and a half years old. I think you were one of the first people that told me about Tyler Childers a few years ago. And I, finally, yeah, and I finally got into his catalog and actually saw him play twice over the past year. I saw him on this last run he did with uh, Sturgill Simpson too. And that was pretty That was, oh, was really that good. Cool? It was, it was good, but it was in a, it was in the Hornets basketball stadium, so there was a big disconnect oh, shit, from Tyler shit. Childers in a basketball stadium audience. Just because you, dude, see, you see him in like an amphitheater see, or a theater. Saw,
3: right. The first show I saw Tyler at was at the Earl in like 300 no shit. people. And people, yeah, people were fighting, throwing beers, people getting kicked out. I mean, it was a barn in there. <laughs> oh, my it was God. So
2: <laughs> it was awesome and even like back then people were probably still going like oh fuck yeah to Tyler Childers right
3: uh, oh yeah dude it, it was it was sold out packed I mean it was great and so that's why I didn't go see him with Sturgill because I was like man I saw I've seen him
2: at the Earl I've seen, you know what I mean it's so I'm I just going to save my money. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That was definitely a disconnect. I was just kind of like uh, I was I was going with the uh, singer, the, the country singer I played with, and we had a big group going. So it was like, oh, why the hell not? Kind of deals.
1: Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, but especially if you already got your intimate show with that band, and then they were playing something really big, it's like, nah, he, the intimate show is going to be so much better. So
2: much better.
3: And then Sturgill, dude, I him. saw, him. I saw him at the neighborhood theater in Charlotte.
1: Yep, I remember right? that
3: and um where i'm standing in line and he gets off his bus and he walks like right in front of me and he, he looks at me and he says hey man and i was just like <laughs> you know i was just in awe you know, I was, holy fuck i love you you know what i mean
2: <laughs> and, just, and he's just a dude from uh, from kentucky isn't that where yeah, he's from crazy. like a kentucky dude that yeah. just hangs out yeah. and just drinks beer with everybody that's just all he does but he'll probably oh, yeah, be more famous cool. than Sturgill Simpson if the, Once this uh, tour starts, starts back up Yeah, I agree Sturgill, we called the uh, Sturgill set The uh, Sturgill Wants to Play Guitar Tour <laughs> Exactly <laughs> I mean, it was cool But it was just a big guitar showcase And not a whole lot of, you know, country music <laughs> <laughs> And even dressed like Jimmy Page, the fucker
3: <laughs> Like,
2: Really? Yeah, he was wearing, like, the dragon pants and all that shit.
3: Oh, my God.
2: Because <laughs> he's on this whole kick is- of the uh, j- the uh, anime uh, uh, soundtrack that he just put out, too. Which isn't bad, but it's weird.
3: I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, I've, he's definitely an interesting dude.
2: Yeah. I like a lot of his music but yeah he's pretty he's, he's out there yeah I, when, I,
1: when I heard certain things from Sturgill Simpson because I think Mikey had liked them before it, was, it just didn't really resonate or anything but I, Cap and I have been roommating for a while and I came downstairs one time and it was before he saw this recent Sturgill Simpsons thing where he was doing the uh, anime uh, soundtrack tour and some of it was just playing in the background I'm like what the fuck are you <laughs> listening to not necessarily because it was bad but just like it was so different from what he would typically listen to <laughs> so, I, what the hell is this? There's like
2: electronic beats on it and everything too. <laughs> Damn. Oh, it's wild. It's an it's an interesting record if you haven't listened to it. If you're if you like a few Sturgill Se- Simpson country records, it's definitely worth looking into. Like when it came out, I was oh, I just, <laughs> when it first came out, I was just like, he made a fucking Prince record. What is this?
1: Because <laughs> he shreds all <laughs> over it too. Really? I yeah, have to dude. check that out. Yeah, and speaking of shredding, man, that there was you've been posting. You kind of set yourself up in a good way on this because for months now you had already been posting riff videos online just to kind of keep up, you know, online engagement. And Now, when you look online, that's what everyone's doing. <laughs> so it's like you right. you were like far ahead on that. What kind of drove you in the first place to kind of show off riffs like that? Because I thought about doing that, but then I went, hmm. But I might turn this into a song, and I don't know. Maybe I put too much value in the surprise, but at the same time, I wouldn't want right. someone to later hear the song and be like, oh, I heard that like two years ago. <laughs> I was thinking Run Hide. Well, a part of the
3: bridge in Run Hide started out, or the song was written, I think, as a guitar video. So sometimes it just. You know, inspires. It's like you said. It's like, oh man, this could be a song. And then it's like, you know, you weren't planning on writing a song, but it came out just because you were r- rocking out. or yeah. Whatever, you know. But I, uh, there's a guy like Tyler Bryant. We opened for Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown a few years ago, and That's I cool. opened for Daniel Donato, who's like a country dude, and they both have an incredible social media presence. Tyler and Bryant's they, they post videos especially. All the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like Jared James Nichols. These guys yeah. have like. I love watching that you know, dude they play. A, they have huge social media followings And they just post videos. And they're, you know, obviously killer players. But they're good at writing the comment, you know. And making it personal and intimate and close. So I'm not necessarily good at all the. I'm not good at like the social media part of it, like connecting. But I'll, i you know, um, but that's what started
1: that. But no, man, even though you're not good on that from the social media aspect of that, you are fantastic with that in person. And I wasn't even going to really bring it up, but just to even kind of dovetail off that, you're one of the few bands I know that has a genuine fan page on Facebook. You've amassed people that have actually (laughs) gotten together in a group to share their photos and share their stories of seeing Like Machines on tour.
3: What? Awesome. Where? Uh, where? Hold on, I'm gonna look that up right now. (laughs) That is.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you on Facebook. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, there was um, there was uh, someone that wound up uh seeing you guys and I I forget in what way, shape, or form. I think she wound up liking an old post that we had tagged you guys in through the podcast page or something to that effect. Either way, and then. Yep. That would be my first she's, guess. She's the moderator of the group.
3: Yeah. yeah. She is um, one of the coolest people. shes I mean, she lives in Finley, Ohio. She drove to see us in Nashville like eight hours or something.
2: I don't even know. Shout out to
3: Jenny Dukes. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Jenny Dukes and, and Heather and Dustin and all those people. But that's super cool. Yeah.
1: But yeah, and it's and it's because you've made such a good connection with the people that enjoy you guys, you know? Well, that's, you know,
3: what we're all here for, is that, like, me, like, us three, like, when we played together at the Milestone a bunch of times together, it's like, we have that connection, you know what I mean? We can, so I, you know, it's like, we live for that, as us, as, you know what I mean? It's like, we want to connect with people through what we are passionate about, and you know, when you see people that really like it and it's really cool
1: oh yeah absolutely and and that was one of the things that immediately gravitated us toward you was we've always struggled to find you know our lane or our audience or our people and it's like when we got paired up at the Milestone when you guys were still the stir and it's like all of a sudden it's like you guys were watching you know us and we were definitely watching y'all and it's like that I remember that making an impact it's like oh shit these guys actually gave a shit and holy fuck fuck they were amazing <laughs>
2: dude. And this was
3: everybody at the was, club too oh i mean that was the i think that was the first show like because we were self-booking like you know little tours around the south and and that was the first show that was like worth it you know what i mean that was like oh fuck there was people it was packed you know they were fucking moshing you guys were headlining it was fucking you know it was just like a rock show and it was It's like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. That was like, that, you know, that's awesome.
1: And see, and I find that absolutely crazy because I remember, um, when all of that got put together and I was like oh shit these guys these guys are fucking good and I remember even being like self conscious about the crowd being like I hope they're happy with this you know this that and the other because we always want to make sure that you know who whatever touring band comes through you know has a good crowd not out of any sort of narcissistic reason but like again we are all of this together and you know with the amount of hard work that you're putting into putting into a show you whatever band that's on the bill has a little bit of a duty to make sure they do their absolute best to promote and everything because they want to show off this band that they're on the card with. So that's what we were mainly going with. It's like, oh, shit, this these really cool touring band from Atlanta. Let's make sure and pull as many people as possible. And that was one thing that was just really on my mind that night. I was just making sure that, you know, you guys just had a decent audience. And I'm honestly surprised that that was like one of the better shows for you guys, because it would have felt like because I remember seeing the routing and there were some pretty decent little spots on that run.
3: Man, yeah, we did a lot of, like, cool spots, but it was early, you know, and so we just didn't know how When we got to Charlotte, it was, like, I think it was the third time we had played Charlotte. We had played, like, the Dirty Hippie.
1: That was around for, like, five months.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so we, that was, uh, we were fortunate enough to be
2: there within those five months. (laughs) Shit. Well, correct me if I am wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, wasn't the Charlotte date that y'all played with us, wasn't that double booked? Like, didn't Buck uh, set it up for us and then uh, you guys kind of hopped on board or you had already booked the date or did y'all hop on last minute for that? I can't yes, remember. Right. Yeah,
3: yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was complete luck because, yeah, I was just like, hey, we want to, you know, I'm just scrambling to get a yeah, show. Uh, it's like, all right, fine. You know, here's here's a night. It's <laughs> so like, oh,
2: this band's already playing. Uh, can we get on it? Was that those kind of deals yeah exactly
1: that happens a lot though so you know that that happens with us a lot actually
2: yeah it forgets the milestone too so
1: yeah but no I was I was just, extreme, <laughs> I was just extremely thankful that night because it's like not only because it's like we have been kind of struggling because I, I definitely I want to talk about that show and was kind of led forward but it's like just to even kind of reiterate one more time on just our connection that night it's like we had' we had been kind of transitioning at that point from being kind of a punk band to being more of a rock band and locally there's not that many rock bands there's a lot of punk bands and there's a lot of metal bands and they're fantastic but there's not a lot of rock and roll bands so for us to like be kind of finding that lane and then play a show with you guys and then for you to be like you guys were cool and for us to be going like, no, these are the fucking cool guys and they think we're cool. What the fuck? <laughs> and then just hanging out with you guys and being able to maintain this friendship all the way to the point where, you know, now you've just gotten off tour with doing Fozzie. You had the pop evil tour planned and that kind of stuff seems like it just kind of happened overnight almost it's like, it, it, I don't know how much of the journey you would, you know, want to share, but, you know, I'd be re- kind of interested because, you know, one of the things we kind of talk about on our show is we, we, we kind of get real with folks. You know, we, we tell people it's like, yeah, it's hard out there. You know, we, we did, we spent a shit ton of money on this vinyl, you know? So it's like every episode at the end, we push that vinyl, you know, it's like, it we, 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 are real with people. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, we're going to market to you hard, but at the same time, we're going to be real with you that way. I don't feel that shit about it it's like look the reason I'm pushing this hard is because we had a lot of faith in this has been a lot of money on it let's prove me right you know let's get this music into good hands you know so you know now with you guys because you said you were doing a lot of independent booking and what the booking that's happening right now that doesn't seem very independent and I'm just like so fucking proud of you guys for just making that you know extra <laughs> leap so it's like I know it's always hard work and determination but what was that path like
3: um it was, I mean, we're, you know, we're still on the path. It's like, fuck. Um, oh, yeah. But we, you know, we did that Fozzie tour. Um, the, fir- the first one when, we, I think we were the stir on both. Yeah, anyway. Um, Red Light Management reached out to Tanner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because this guy, Darren, our current manager, Darren was from, I think he was from Detroit, but he was moving from New York, or he was just new in town in the music scene working for Red Light, wanted to figure out what's going on. Right. Hit up Tanner. The Stir had just released uh, that EP, you know, with Night Shift and all that. Mm -hmm. And he sent him the EP, and Darren was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Um, And Tanner was like, we're playing at um, Smith's opening for Fozzie on Friday, you know, come. And he came to the show, and it was like, fuck. And we were like, cool. And,
1: <laughs> uh, just like that. Just, just one word business decisions. He's like, fuck, and you guys are right. like, cool. And it's like, it was on from there.
2: <laughs> Not even a handshake.
3: <clears throat> so actually, back to Charlotte. The end of the tour, we
2: were playing. What were we? What's that room? Uh, the the, uh, the firmament.
1: Uh, oh, uh, the, the firmament.
2: Firmament in South Carolina, in Greenville.
1: Oh, is that in Greenville?
2: Yeah. Are you talking about uh, uh, this last tour you did in Charlotte?
3: No. Yeah, we were in we were in Greenville actually.
1: Okay. okay yeah. Yeah, the firmament.
3: So, Charlie. Brasco, who's like the head of the Atlanta office, mm-hmm. used to manage Leonard Skinnerd. Who he's got fucking crazy Leonard Skinnerd stories. I bet. Oh, he, dude. I mean, dude.
2: it's awesome and hilarious and scary. <laughs> I was like, you gotta tell me about um, that Artemis Pile uh, bill that I uh, remember you playing. You were on that one, uh, one right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you gotta was, tell me about that one sometime I actually have
3: a hilarious story from that in the, in the, One of the rehearsals Oh, wow I'll tell you that But <laughs> So, he brought out Charlie um, Charlie was like, cool And we signed a red light um, And then They got us on a collective soul tour And a clutch sh- show I
2: remember that And
3: that was the end of that year yeah, and they were like, pretty much that December, they were like, all right, you got to change the name because a large amount of the collective soul audience was expecting a 90s band called Stir and a lot of our online links were going back and forth.
1: See, I was kind of curious about that because I, I did notice that, you know, you guys have got new management and such. And, you know, sometimes that does happen. You know, a band gets, you know, newer management that's able to do things with them and they, you know, want a name change for whatever reason. So I didn't know if that was just right. whatever we do with you guys. We want it to be a specific branding or but that actually makes a lot of sense now, uh, especially because you'd kind of been, you know, getting into, you know, that grunge audience. I could see how that might have wound up being confusing. That's something I didn't even think of before.
3: Yeah, we just and then you know we wanted to be new. We wanted to not be a, um, you know, a band that was already a band. Right. Um,
2: the stir U.S.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. They're stir.
1: So, isn't that fine? And they're like, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's always it's it's all down to those Google analytics, man. It has to be separate enough. Pretty much. Right and it's a bitch to get a change too man because for some reason on ours uh it spells it f-i-l-l dash underscore i and s and i'm like no oh, it's That's three separate terrible. words no dashes and a capital on the i <laughs> right but like when you search and even if you type it in like that correctly into google that little sidebar thing that shows all your album info it still has it spelled out like that and i cannot get that shit changed oh my God.
3: yeah <laughs> Luckily I like Tanner's so good at all that stuff. Yeah. He just is like don't don't touch that. Don't touch <laughs> that
1: stuff. So does that seem to kind of uh, that's at least hanging out with you guys uh, I've kind of gotten that vibe but that's kind of the dynamic where a lot of the riffages and songwriting kind of comes from your angle, the promotion and recording and um basically the back end stuff a lot of it comes from Tanner.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, we all we it's it's not totally divided like that. We right. you know, try to help each other out with as much as we can, mm-hmm. but we certainly know what we're best at. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and everyone
1: everyone uses their strengths. Right,
3: right. So, and it's not like I wrote write a whole song and I'm like, here you go, Tanner. You know, I'm like, hey, <laughs> this is the fifth, or here's a chorus, or here's like. You know, part of a song. Mm-hmm. Let's let's you know make a whole song.
1: Now, has so, that kind of always been part of your songwriting method to begin with, uh, or or has there been a few times where you brought in a full song and been like, "Hey guys, this this is pretty much how I'm thinking it should go." Well,
3: so the this this is more as of late. You know, with the Stir EP, that was all just written. Like I just that was all. You know, I just wrote that stuff. Right. Um, And then some of the stuff off this Like Machines EP was like that too. Um, But that that EP was kind of the transition from just writing by myself to Mm -hmm. writing me and Tanner and, you know, just as a band doing it, you know.
1: I feel like every musician kind of goes through that uh, transition because I've spoken before on how our first album was very much like that it was a lot of me writing the songs bringing it going here's the songs and then the second album was a little bit more of a transition and then when we started playing with you guys from that record it was a lot more of a collaborative to the point where on you know the record we just did so much of it was here's kind of an idea throw it to this guy okay well maybe this could totally key changed it and it's like okay well no I don't like that but you know what you playing that has now made me think of this let's scrap that riff and let's rewrite it completely now in that key you know <laughs> and that's and that's what a lot of this record was and even our current writing is like that so i find that very yep. cool and satisfying and interesting that it feels like maybe all songwriters go through that stage of wanting to have that full ownership of no this is the song that i wrote by myself this is my song but then it's like right. once you get that out of your system you're like yeah, here's half of something. Make it sound cool, dude. <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, you know, it's like, it just, you get more, like we were talking about earlier, you get more colors. You know, there's more yep. things to paint with. And, um, so,
1: and, you know, there's people bring different kinds of paint brushes and whatever, you know. Absolutely. Because one thing that I always struggle with is... I have no problem kind of throwing off different riffs and kind of working outside that, but I work in a vocal beatbox. Not literally beatbox, but like when you write out lyrics, you kind of have a certain beat that you follow in your head with the riff. And I've been trying to break away from that, maybe find ways that I can extend a vocal where I would have maybe done a da 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 kind of thing. Have you ever found yourself kind of examining your lyric writing style to fit different things, or is that something that just kind of has maybe come more natural? to you
3: it's always i've always just done it like you know i give it some thought but it's mostly like here's what i'm playing and here's what i'm singing naturally right but lately we've you know especially with this whole quarantine thing we've been writing completely differently you know it's like and you know we just we just started recording a new record in december and um that is we just that we recorded that, or we are recording it differently than we've or I ever have recorded anything or written anything.
1: What makes it so different though?
3: um we are working with a producer for the first
1: time. ooh, now is that from the management is that something that they brought in or is that something that Tanner has done because I know he's he has his hand in Madison at records
3: yes, yes, um that so. The management company led us to an A and R representative. Ooh, okay. Who led us
2: to the producer? Nice. Can you uh, Um, say who it is, or?
3: Yeah, the producer is uh, Bob Marlette. Nice. Um, He did like Shine Down and Saliva. Not exactly a lightweight. Awesome, dude. Yeah, he's, he's. definitely been around the bush
1: <laughs> um,
3: so it's working and, it's and we did a couple of songs with um rob Casiano from Vol- volbeat that's right um you know we're just we're just trying to experiment and get our minds open and you know see what see what more we can do I like
1: that. And and I kind of noticed that because in the one riff that uh, you tagged me in and everything, I was like, I love what you're doing with the slide on that. And that was kind of a little, Uh that felt a little different vibe wise. It's like it was still your kind of riffage because it it still had that, you know, background, you know, chuggy kind of vibe, which was reminiscent of, you know, your songwriting before. But with that slide, it completely changed it up. And I was like, oh, that's so dirty. I love it. (laughs) Oh,
3: man. I'm really glad you like it because, you know, whenever anybody's changing you're like man is this what i'm supposed to be doing is this is this good and, and then you and know, that does you have- give
1: you a little bit of anxiety because right. you, because you've built up either you know in your head what you should sound like or you know you have a certain feeling that you know oh people have an expectation of a sound from me at this point and whether that be properly guided or not you know every Uh, Creative goes through that because we're very, you know, inward thinking at times because we're self-conscious, I would say, Uh, because we want to be good. We want to entertain. We want to provide people the fun stuff. And, you know, if we make too much of a change, we don't want to upset them because we've also been in that shoes where it's like our favorite band makes a major shift and you're like, oh, Right, this, this doesn't work man what like, oh, no. <laughs> happened to my band but I think that because yeah, exactly. but I think that because you go into it with such that mind frame you're always going to stay true to the kind of songwriter you are but the people that have been following you for a while see that growth and kind of go oh okay this is Andrew's next level I can't wait to see what his next level is going to be and you've kind of set yourself up for that so I'm I'm really excited to see the kind of of creative riffage that kind of comes out of all of those
3: well thank you and um so another thing that I have like I'm just just trying to like go dude be out beyond my box you know yeah. so I've been well I guess I've been lucky enough to have come across through mutual friends and now I'm friends with him but he's the drummer for all them witches um killer and, yeah so he asked me to do some guitar on his solo album which is unlike anything i've ever recorded over so that's been fun to just kind of experiment with tones and do different things like with the slide or wh- whatever you know what i mean
1: oh dude definitely
2: what kind of uh what kind of album is this going to be like what's his uh, what's the drummer's uh approach to the solo record like what kind of guitar uh approach that you have to go with this
3: i went pretty weird like i went pretty uh i like i have this really cool um eight bit pedal um and i went pretty like video gamey
1: is that what you used on the stir record where i was like what effect is this which song oh man it's uh I can, I can play, I can do mouth guitar too. it. I think it started the record, the burn and Oh,
3: pedagogue. Yeah.
1: Yes. Is that what so, you
3: used on that? That one was like weird because it was DI,
1: okay. but we,
3: it was supposed to be scratch and we didn't want just like, just DI tone. So we put a fuzz factory, the Z Vex fuzz factory in the direct input line and just like, Turned it, and it was like, and we plugged it in while it was on record, and it was like, <laughs> it's like whoa. So we just kind of kept that.
1: No, because as I, soon I remember that being so distinctive, I was like, oh my god, that just, that sounds so cool. <laughs> but but what yeah. what how how does the eight bit pedal kind of differ from that? Because I've actually not heard of that.
3: Yeah, so the eight bit pedals are kind of like. Like I don't know if you, you know, like old retro video games. I am a huge Pokemon fan. I love Pokemon, so that's what I refer to when I talk about eight bit stuff. Oh yeah, like the old video game. Yeah, yeah, like, um, like the Game Boy. You know, Game Boy Color shit. Um, You know, it just kind of has that kind of fucked up little,
2: you know, that kind of tone. I've to look that up on YouTube or something. Now an eight-bit like guitar pedal,
3: dude. So Earthquaker makes one that's pretty good called the Bit Crusher.
2: Interesting. Uh, and
3: the best one though that I've ever that I use that I've never uh, that I it's I've never had one that's like you can control really well. They're all kind of just like fucking chaos. Yeah. Um. But this one it's from, um. Para, Parasit Parasit Studio in Sweden Okay It's called, it's called the Arcadiator um, And it's just Such a controllable
2: 8-bit um, pedal I mean it's really cool Do you have like set it for like uh, As far as like being able to control it Like what are the issues as far as uh, that kind of deal For 8-bit uh, pedal
3: Like so if you play a note And like you have that 8-bit Tone on to you know, high. Yeah. Just the note will be like, it won't be a note. You know what I mean? It'll be like,
1: it'll constantly try to modulate and find what note to stay on or something. Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
3: Interesting.
2: And yeah. So it's just, you got to find the right combination. And, uh, who puts out the uh, quality ones just out of curiosity?
3: The it's, it's yeah. Parasit studio. Okay. Yeah. The Swedish one. Gotcha. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: P a, R A, from um, S I T. It seems like the technology, and it, it's almost like an auto tuner with a like a MIDI control almost, and it's
0: yeah.
3: I don't know what it is, but it's awesome. That sounds really <laughs> cool, man. Nintendo rock. I love it. Dude, I've been. This is like I've been trying to get like like I was talking about earlier. I this that the video game tone. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to make that like a real thing. For years and I haven't been able to do it That's your white whale
1: (laughs) Well I'll tell you what you can do though It's uh, the same thing that we did a few years ago And now we're using as uh, the network intro and outro That you'll hear actually on this episode Get an 8-bit remix done of your song
3: Dude So (laughs) I think, what is it, Dave Grohl Has a channel where he does that Does he? Yeah, yeah, like the whole Queens of the Stone Age Villains record is eight bitted out on there?
1: That's crazy. No, uh, there, a few years ago when uh, we released uh, our second record, Fifth Times to Charm, uh, someone on Instagram hit me up and was like, "Yo, I really like spit my face. Check this out," and he made an eight bit remix of it. I was like, holy shit, this is cool as hell. And uh, a little bit later on when we released Hit the Gas, I hit him up and I was like, hey, I'll totally pay you if you make me another one of those. I was like, do this song for me. So he made Hit the Gas ones, and that's what I'm using at the uh, intro here. But that that was even years ago. So yeah, you could totally get some 8-bit remixes of Light Machine songs done. That would be so cool. I'm literally writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Because see, kind of... We can even kind of tail off into this because you're, you're really creative. You like thinking outside the box. When we did that, one of the things that I wanted to do after that was actually create a mobile game. And it, Because one of the things we've always had issue with is keeping a drummer. So it's going to be the fill-ins Drummer Hunter and it was just going to be three levels each level was going to be its own individual member and you know we get to the end oh you know and God. it was going to be almost like street fighter kind of thing and you know just traditional beat them up get to the end of the level beat up the final guy and then you know we the main thing is we just keep hopping in the bus going to city to city trying to find a drummer and then one member hops out you know beats up a bunch of people we figure out some sort of storyline streets line.
2: of rage but it's beats yeah. of rage because we're <laughs> trying to find a drummer
1: but again you as i explain all this and as the story develops it, you of course know spending the money for a development on that is you know pretty you know out there so you know as starving musicians that's something we can't afford right now which is why we're just kind of also throwing it out into the world see if anyone wants to maybe do that as a passion project Somebody
0: but help me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> passion project anyone would you like to do this with us and have some fun but no um <laughs> but what kind of... Uh, because I know that you guys, uh, even with The Stir, it seemed like you purchased your own uh, screen press even just to do your own shirts. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. What, what kind of uh, marketing ideas and you know entrepreneurial ideas have you kind of implemented with uh, the, the band just over the, throughout the years just to kind of do it yourself even more and keep it in-house?
3: Yeah, we, we got a screen press and we were screen printing all of our own shirts there for a while. Um, we've done... You know, we have um, our own sound guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's always a plus.
3: Happen. I guess that's not entrepreneurial, but...
1: Well, the, uh, well, well, let's actually talk about that some. Uh, what, what would you say the benefit of having your own sound guy is versus just showing up to the club and just letting whoever runs house run house?
3: Well, it's a huge benefit because, you know, he's going to... Uh, hopefully, whoever that person is, Knows the record, mm-hmm. you know, knows the delay throws, knows the guitar tones, knows you know the parts basically, right? And um, it's like you know in football when they say the crowd is the eleventh man or the twelfth man or whatever. Yeah, I guess that's the case in music too. But it's like really the the sound guy is like that that you know. There's a lot of extra members, but like he's like the other creative live guy. Right. You know what I mean? Um, And if somebody's up there just like, you know, not taking it seriously or just another night at work and they're not having a good day or whatever and they're
2: drinking and they're just like, just whatever, man.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Just autopilot. It's like, you're not, you know, even if you play your best show of all time, it's not going to translate as well because the dude was sleeping. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. And that makes Um, absolute sense. Uh, What kind of relationship do you wind up having to have with the sound guy? Uh, Because of course, I mean, of course that's, you know, something that you already said, mentioned that they have to kind of know the record as such like that. But is that something that you kind of have to go through a long vetting process or is it, you know what kind of and how often do you get kicked back from venues? You know for having a sound guy because that's just something I guess we haven't even considered. As our our kind of show is very stripped down, we're just kind of plug and play. So yeah. you know that hadn't been something I've had to really think of. But kind of thinking on that now, I can imagine maybe some you know tighter venues being like, oh, well, why are you bringing in a sound guy kind of thing? Well, this is my board,
3: right, right. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, which I understand, you know, yeah. um, and I was lucky because I was working at, I was working for these different music production companies in Georgia and the audio director, basically technical director for these companies. I worked with him and basically for him. Um, and he was also the technical director at UGA and I saw that he had quit to do live sound and I called him and I was like, Hey dude, we're going on tour. You wanna come do this with us? <laughs>
4: nice. <laughs> and
3: he was like, Yeah, dude. <laughs> so That's awesome. Um you know, we got we we lucked out but but um Hey and you know, obviously he's he's gotta rehearse with us. Um, he's got to know the record, all that. So yeah. you, you know, it becomes you know another band member essentially.
1: Yeah. Now, now, would he be? Would he ever kind of control lights or whatnot? Since he kind of knows the record, would he kind of have control over you know making sure certain spotlights are at a drum part or a solo or whatever?
3: He will tell the lighting director for whatever venue. Like, if we are. You know if it's dark stage and we're, we'll walk out and he'll mm. say you know I'll give you a countdown and he'll say three two one and then the lighting director will look at him and he'll do the fader and that's cool so, yeah
1: yeah it kind of gives you that extra little leg up just to make sure that you know you're kind of given that performance that you know you want to give you know the, the people that spent their hard-earned money to come see you <laughs> right
2: <laughs> on the show exactly
1: now how how often have you guys thought about you know because you're kind of saying you know maybe like dark stage you walk out like that have you guys what kind of things have you thought about maybe like stage dressing because just kind of being fans of Kiss, you know, we've kind of gone through our heads of, you know, okay, if we ever made a big, what kind of stage dressing would we want to, you know, kind of throw up there? You know, you guys have kept it pretty basic. You know, I've, I've noticed a lot of the new red theme. Is that something that you're kind of wanting to stick with? Or, you know, what kind of, what, what in your mind, if you had like the unlimited budget, what would be like the ultimate stage plot for you guys?
3: <laughs> Man, I don't know. See, I would probably be like, yeah, I'll just keep wearing black shirts and black jeans and yeah. black
0: shoes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I don't know. I don't I I don't i I'm not really good at that kind of thing. You know, that kind yeah. of like exterior design kind of thing. You know, I'm not I um I can't draw very well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't have like the eye for fashion, which right. is why I wear all black. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's very slimming too. So <laughs> right, right.
2: Yeah, that's why. That's black beer. No fashion. Yeah. <laughs> don't y'all uh, haul around the big uh, logo with lights on it and on the stage and everything too? At least I, I saw a couple of uh, Crowbot shows online. We all had a big uh, version of the logo that was all lit up. I don't know. Yeah, tell sometimes if that was- we do the. We have like a big backdrop that's it's just fabric.
4: Okay
3: they'll do like put some of uh, the cans on there oh okay gotcha
2: it's um, still look pretty cool though as far as like a big uh display i mean mm-hmm. i think about that I'll with be, any of our live I'll shows really. and what we want to do with that kind of stuff
1: yeah what, I mean, what was just, it like like actually stepping back and for the first time using like the really big banner that said like machines and when they just dropped that and you got solid what what, what was that feeling for the first time of seeing your name <laughs> that fucking big
3: Right. I mean you're you're like, oh wow, that's cool. That's that's up there, you know?
2: <laughs> that's A <bit>. that's us. <laughs> yeah. So the only time we got, ever got anything yep. that was close to that was in the firmament in Greenville, where they had the big LED screens and they just put our oh, logo yeah. up on there. And the place is fucking empty, but we're sitting here looking <laughs> on stage, going like, looking at it, going like this is pretty cool. That's <laughs>
1: <Nice>, dude. That's <Fantastic. laughs> us. Well, yeah, because we noticed that uh, they just had the firmament logo up there, and I'm like. I know those kind of LED displays I I bet you I could get him to fix that and we ran up there I was like hey hey, I think you ran up there because we were talking talking about it but I was being all shy about it I'm like no he probably could I know those kind of displays but I don't want to bug him I don't want to bother him Cap's like screw it I'll fucking do it
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's nobody there anyway
1: (laughs) he he disappears for like five minutes he comes strutting on back he goes look at the screens and I look over and it was like boom circle bolts I was like fuck yeah
3: I'm playing a country band. I'll make that shit happen right now. Uh, I'll give a good goddamn.
1: That's
2: what it takes.
1: (laughs) Hikes up his Wranglers, (laughs) spins a Spurs. Where's my (laughs) chance at?
2: (laughs) Just make my butt look big. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, good. I knew it would work.
1: Well, one of the other things you you were kind of showing us uh, your interface for, you know, just doing digital recording, you know, stuff like that. Have you considered doing more solo projects now that, you know, we are kind of in this quarantine and, you know, I'm sure you've got basic garage band or simple mixing, you know, software on your computer. You could easily bust out some little acoustic or solo stuff.
3: Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was actually just working on that today. So I have a, a 10 song album. Solo album that I'm planning on releasing eventually, but I'm waiting till everybody's out of quarantine. Yeah. No, I'm I'm waiting. You know, we just haven't. It's not all the way there. <laughs> right. But.
1: Yeah, you're just starving us for content. You know, when we need it the right. most. Right. <laughs> well, that's cool. <laughs> but I'm, I'm
3: actually going to put out um three three new songs that are not on the solo record that are just you know a little EP basically. Nice. Just to, um. Just to say, I'm doing
2: something. <laughs> just you and your acoustic?
3: Um, yeah, it's gonna be acoustic. Um, with you know just other forms of instrumentation in there. Um, there's gonna be two original songs, and then I'm like, I'm gonna cover uh, "Within You, Without You" by the Beatles.
1: Ooh, that well, that's right. a, that's a pretty good little deep cut there too.
3: Yeah, so I um. It'll be the first time I've ever done a cover, like recorded a cover. Um, and I've got a sitar, so I'm, I was like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't that. <laughs> uh, and that's the song that inspired me to get a sitar, so I, uh, I was like, i got to do it. I'm not doing anything else, you know. <laughs>
1: Now, is that something that, uh, talking about that being the first song you've recorded that was a cover, has that been the conscious decision that you just kind of wanted to avoid recording covers, or is that just something that just never really came up?
3: Yeah, not a ne- not necessarily a conscious decision, I mean, it's a conscious decision to not play cover songs live, right? but recording-wise, I've just always been more interested in, in recording and playing and writing my own music, um... But I feel like within you, without you, and with all that's going on, I think it just is right.
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel you. No, and and I I think that's – if we can find – because, of course – me saying this in no way is downplaying the significance and you know the hardship that people are going through but you know when you know when we are going through this you know we have to find you know the silver linings. we have to find the things to kind of ground us a little bit to help kind of keep it going and I think at least one positive that the creatives can pull from all this is you know if you are stuck at home and everything this is kind of the ample time right now to kind of you know hunker down and get more creative you know if there's been that Mm -hmm. little something that you've been wanting to you know just put your hand in well well, now's the time to do it. Scratch that (laughs) itch. Do the new thing. You know, write the new song. Try the new project. It's like... Get weird. Exactly. Get a little weird with it. It's like, you know, if you feel like you're going a little crazy, it's like find something new to do. Find something new, exciting to do. And I think that's been one of the things that kind of helped us too is we went through a lot of headache getting this last record out and it kind of almost singed my creative side on writing a little bit just with the amount of just stress that it went through it just kind of singed me wanting to do anything new and i've been kind of working hard the last few months to almost a year kind of getting back to that again and ever since We ever since I started getting the feeling that at least my work schedule was going to change some and I was going to have a little bit more time to myself and everything else and a little bit more time to focus on, you know, the outside peripherals all of a sudden the creative juices started just flowing again. And like within what, like two weekends we had like four new riffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, now it's a- to the point where it's like all of them, but maybe one and a half of them are kind of in good enough working form to where we can kind of start fit finalizing it and getting the different parts together. And Mikey's already got something new that he's been sending us that we've been jamming on. So it's like, nice. so it, If anything, this is just caused everyone to have to slow down some in a world that's going a million miles a minute. You know, this kind of forced us to have to stop and take a breather. And, you know, hopefully this does us more good than harm in the end. And especially with, you know, good things like you guys are doing, you know, helping out the independent musicians fund and everything else through songs like the acoustic destitute, which there'll be links for in the episode description if you guys want to go and support, uh, it, it just kind of makes it all a little bit more worthwhile, and we are all in this together. And I can't thank you enough for joining us and having a good time. I feel like we've had a decent little convo here. But I tell you what, Andrew, we're not finished yet because people listening to this show know what it's time for. we got to dig on into our Spotify playlists and figure out what the hell we've been listening to.
2: Yeah, baby. What you listening to, son?
1: I don't think you like it. Well, why not?
2: I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this?
0: I bought it at the mall.
2: What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, Captain, what the hell you've been listening to? Have y'all heard of Thundercat? I know I've showed Alex Thundercat. Have you heard of him, Andrew? I have heard of him. I've never listened to him, though. It's wild. Uh, somehow uh, I got into a little bit of a rabbit hole with Thundercat thanks to uh, my friend Tiki from the Grave Rollers because we're both bass players. And he happens to be a pretty wicked I, bass player, but he writes some goofy shit. Hell yeah. And uh, I watched an interview with him, and uh, apparently he's a big Frank Zappa fan, so a lot of it now kind of makes sense. But uh, I def- there's some really great tunes out of all this, too. Like, I haven't listened to really any... Specific album all the way through with him, just because I have to pick and choose with a lot of his stuff. But uh, he's got one good one uh, that I listen to just about every day. It's called Dragon Ball Do Rag. <laughs> it sounds like Bootsy Collins. <laughs>
1: you, se- you sent me that the other day, and I thought it was just like a parody. <laughs> no, it's it, it, it's it's a
2: real song, and I kind of like it just because of the Bootsy Collins-ness of it.
1: And then there's Dude, I like
3: the I like the the Henson hat, the unknown Henson hat.
2: He's the shit, man. I saw him not too long ago uh, when he uh, did his last tour through Charlotte. That's awesome. And uh, I definitely recommend uh, one other song I recommend from uh, Thundercat is, uh, what's it called? Uh, Where is it? Show You the Way, and it has Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald on it.
1: (laughs) Wow. I think you showed me that one, too. Did
2: I? Classic.
1: It's well I, I remember hearing about that combo, or yeah, someone posted it on Facebook or something. So I remember seeing that going, "What the fuck? And it is,
2: it is like funky yacht rock as shit. It's great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah,
2: I've been listening to a lot of Thundercat. This quarantine's fucking with me.
1: <laughs> Clearly.
2: <I'm just>
1: <laughs> All right, Andrew, what the hell have you been listening to, sir? I've been listening
3: to some Bad flower and Ooh. some I've been listening to the killers. I've been listening to that hot fuss album.
1: Okay, see, Killers was one that I really didn't get too much into. I guess because mainly I heard the radio songs and the, like the song that was on Guitar Hero, the when you're young yeah, or whatever. That's how I was too. Would you say that's kind of representation of their catalog, or? Um, I don't know their whole catalog. I just really like that Hot
3: Fuss album, which has those hits on it. Yeah, but the album I just like. If you listen to the whole album, I've never heard an album like that. Like, there's just nothing I've ever heard that
1: sounds like that. Okay, so they so, kind of okay. hit on different little subgenres, maybe.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't even know what to call it. You know what I mean? Um, it's just the killers. It's the killers, man.
1: What's some of your favorites off that record?
3: Um, fuck. Uh,
1: That's no. an <laughs> odd song title,
3: Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder no that one wasn't the uh, single. All <laughs> right and so it was funny though because like I couldn't name any of the songs but if you played the album I could sing the whole album you know what I mean
1: isn't it weird like that and isn't it also weird sometimes <clears throat> albums you hadn't listened to in forever and you, could, you couldn't you could sing it to me right now but as soon as the first song began to play now you could sing the entire thing and it's like <laughs> yep. and it's, it's that tiny little sonic memory jog that's like all it takes and you're like boom I'm in
3: it's crazy
1: And actually, uh, and then the reverse uh, and actually has this happen to you where you walk up to the microphone about to say the first line of a song and your brain goes, nope, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like,
3: there's been times where I had to like, Okay, we're we're gonna keep going with the intro. <laughs> you know <what> I mean?
1: <laughs> I've tried doing that, but we never practiced that, so it's like it, it throws at least one member off. <laughs> it feels like most like it's like most of the time I'd say like maybe the drummer and like you know Cap would kind of catch on, so, but Mikey's like totally in his own world, not paying attention. Mikey's He's already playing noticed? a different riff. <laughs> so what you're
2: saying is next practice is we're going to practice for uh, potential fuck ups.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just gonna be a new rule. It's gonna be follow my lead <laughs> just make a list right. not be the good little army men playing the song exactly how we played it now we're just gonna have to play loose now because <laughs> my dumbass just can't remember opening lyrics
2: <laughs> or just be like james yeah. brown and just re- not really have lyrics but the band's got to be loose anyway <laughs>
1: <laughs> well for me i've been revisiting uh danco jones sleep is the enemy um, he that's been an artist that i've followed for a good handful of years and He's only released like one or two records I've not really like dug into and loved, but most of his catalog is really solid, and this was one of them that just really got me turned onto it because it starts out with Sticky Situation, uh, She's Drugs, First Date, Invisible. Those are all songs that just immediately grabbed me, but on my most recent re-listen, the two songs that had been really um, I've been grabbing a hold of is uh, When Will I See You Again, which. I know when I found the record, I heard that song and I went, I've heard this before, which is always a weird feeling where it's like you hear something technically for the first time, but you go, I swear I've heard this on something over and over before, but now I just can't remember what it is. That song always right. did that to me. So I always liked it mainly because it felt like it was already an earbug. But then the song after that time heals nothing. There's just a certain amount of just like rage in that song that just like, Oh my god, it's just so good listening to just the way he he, there's just certain lines that he just screams and you can tell that he was like, all right, these are gonna be the takes, regardless on if they're in key or not, because I'm about to just blow my fucking voice out kind of thing. (laughs) You can tell it's not practiced screams there. This is the very last thing I'm doing on these record screams. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, oh my god, that's so good. Hell yeah. But yeah, so Danco Jones, definitely check that out if you are a fan of just some good-ass loud rock and roll.
2: I got to revisit that.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Well, Andrew, it has been fucking awesome having you on. I would definitely love to have you on again under better circumstances. Hopefully soon we can actually meet up, take the thing. Yeah. You can either come over here, we'll take this thing to you wherever it needs to. We can hang out for a while and kick it old school like we did back in the van and have some laughs. And since we've already had the origin story and talked about like machines and gotten the word out, I feel like it'll be one where we kind of delve into just music we like music we got inspired to and just kind of have a chill last, just fun conversation, which will be easier to have in person, I'd say. Yes. Yes. for 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 sure. So keep on keeping on, keep on growing this shit. Keep on doing what you're doing. Don't get too big and forget about us.
3: <laughs> I don't think that exists.
1: <laughs> we won't be looking for shows, but damn it, we still want to have you on the show every so often. We we understand about sharing uh, musical bills, but damn it, we still want to have some podcasts with you because we love you, man, and you've been a tremendous friend to us this entire time, and we seriously cannot thank you enough for all the hospitality you've shown us throughout the years and just your friendship, man, because there's not... There's not a lot of people like you out in this world. And that's definitely one thing I want to leave our listeners on is, you know, folks like you, you know, we've, we've run into, I wouldn't say we've run into every single person in the world. You know, I've got faith in humanity, but there's very few people that are so into the music and have such a console as you. And again, as I mentioned earlier, not many people have their own individual, um, grassroots fan page so that that's definitely something that stuck out to me i was like I'm, I'm really proud of these guys i'm really happy they've kept kept their heads and that's one thing that's i think always going to stick with you is you treat the people around you very well <clears throat> and that's very rare to see in these days and you've definitely been an inspiration for me on that front
3: well thank you guys very much that really means a lot to me because that should be important to everybody i would hope but you guys as well um you guys have been awesome
1: no, seriously, man. Thank you. And Cap, do you have a fucking outro for us? I
2: do. I will read from one John Prine from uh Sweet, oh, beautiful Sweet Revenge album. This comes from the track A Good Time, where he says, "And you know that I could have me a million more friends, and all I'd have to lose is my point of view. But I had no idea what a good time would cost till tonight when I sat and talked with you." Oh, look a- at you. Rest in power, John Prine. Absolutely we <laughs>
0: you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash something good network.